Well, hello, Bible love. So glad to be with you all today. Um, I thought we would start with the prayer. I was telling Alan before we started, um, we have a beloved parishioner here at Church of the Resurrection who is moving. Um, so this Sunday, I, wa- I was trying to find a prayer that um, would sort of show her our love and give her a blessing to send out into the world. And as I was researching, I found this beautiful prayer, and I just think it's like good for anybody. So we're going to pray that today. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lord Jesus, word made flesh from the beginning of creation. You named and claimed us for yourself. Look with kindness kindness upon all your servants, marked by your cross, fed by your word, filled with care, and sent to be your presence to all who we meet. Guide us on the way and bless us with your wisdom that we may be a word of hope for a world in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So that prayer mentions God's wisdom, mm-hmm. which seems appropriate because we're moving into Second Chronicles now, which, you know, David has died and handed over the thing. And, and now it's Solomon. And right, right. A lot of people, what they know about Solomon is he um, built the temple and he was wise, the wisest person who ever lived or so it goes. Um, so I think that's an appropriate prayer. Good. So yeah, we picked up. Yeah. So Second Chronicles, right? Another reminder, this is a false distinction between the books. If you many many Hebrew scriptures, right, it's one book. You know, which is you know, there's a whole nother thing, and maybe we could talk about this someday. Um, in one of the between episodes. If you look at some Bibles, it's got like sixty six books. Other Bibles have more, right? Books in them. Others have less. And you try to figure it out because some like Kings is one book. Chronicles is one book. Then you've got the Apocrypha and all that. So, you know, maybe we'll take one of these in-betweens and we'll talk about, like, what actually is the Bible? Like, how is it constructed? Why is my Catholic friend's version different than the Old Testament of my Jewish friends, their Bible different? Why is all of that? Anyway, that's That'd too much to get into today because. Good idea. Let's do that. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Well, I'm just saying I'm about to get ready to start teaching adult formation starting in a couple of weeks. And in the fall, everybody's doing confirmation prep. That's the rector's forum is going to basically be, what do we believe? What's the Bible? What's the prayer book? Everyone's going to get a primer in all of this. And so I've been reading. A, what? Is that, is that what you're saying? Say that again. So whether they're yeah. getting confirmed, confirmed or not. Yeah, everybody, absolutely. Right. We're all and part of that. Yeah. And I know, you know, I have people who, so last week, I forgot I did this on the podcast. Last week, I mentioned that I was like, I met a fire marshal, fire inspector here, and I couldn't find a ladder or whatever. So Sunday, um, a woman came into my office and was like, you know, I listen. And she went and pointed out where the ladder is. So now I know where the ladder is. But since I know parishioners listen to this, um, what I would really love is probably in the spring when the bishop comes, 
This is our first time in the Diocese of Texas. Hopefully we'll have some people getting confirmed. I think we will. But what if we had like 50 or 60 people reaffirm, right? Like you can do that every year. I would love to do that our first time when the bishop comes um, in our new diocese to like everyone stand up and let's all do it together. So I, I had that this past spring and that was the first um, visitation with the new bishop in Upper South Carolina. We had a ton reaffirmed. and It was just so awesome. And they were all like, you learned all this stuff. A long time ago, and we want to learn it again. So I think that would be awesome. I'm going to pray. Hey, St. Martin's, welcome. I need to get reaffirmed. I'm, I'm sending yeah. it out here. So and we're talking about the same book of Chronicles today, though, right? Yeah, that. thanks. I've got us way off topic, but, you know, I sometimes do that. Specifically but one through again. nine. Yeah, one through nine. And so this is the reign of King Solomon, the construction of the temple. We'll get to the kingdom um, next week with the rest of the chapter, but here, and again, this is more repetition. You go back to first Kings chapter six is basically the first go around for this. And it actually ties in with this confirmation thing, right? Like someone can think, Oh, I've learned about the Bible or I've learned about whatever. Well, the Jewish people, right. they would learned about all this, but here's another telling of it. And there's some differences. We'll point out one this week. There's actually next week. There's a bigger difference. They kind of rewrite history. I can't wait to talk about that a little bit. Um, but you know, it's a different perspective of things. And so, um, you know, you think about Solomon and, you know, the first thing that sticks out to me is, um, you know, chapter three, right? Like we get out of some of the intro stuff with Solomon and then we get into the meat of it. Most of this section is the building of the temple. Chapter three starts. Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father, David. So here, right, like this is the first time Mount Moriah is mentioned as the location of the temple. Uh, that's where tradition has it now. So you go back to first Kings six. Moriah is not mentioned. You know, all this like there, you know, the guy who wrote Kings. He, they connect it to the Exodus, you know, however many years after the Exodus we're building. Here, what the chronicler's doing is not connecting Israel's history in the temple to the Exodus, but rather to Abraham, because Mount Moriah is where Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac. And, yeah. you know, as Genesis 22, we know that story, right? An angel came down and, and grabbed his hand before he could do the deed and, and said, you know, your faith has saved your son and they find a ram and they name the place um, the Lord will provide that traditionally became Mount Moriah. So here is an instance where this is new information for the Hebrew people, right? Like this isn't just the same story being told again, but the chronicler is right. He's putting down, there's a lineage to where the temple is being built. It's not just like, because we found some land for cheap. Right. The tradition goes like if you go inside the Dome of the Rock, which is where the temple used to be, it's now a mosque. Um, I think they're letting some more um, non-Muslim folks in. When I went in 2014, I don't remember when it was, 2014. Right. You couldn't like even guys with beards like me couldn't go in because, right, it's a very holy place. And the uh, the Muslims, there are very protective of it. But if you go in, right, there's a rock there. That rock is traditionally 
Abraham tied up Isaac and laid him there. And that's what's being all. And now it's, yeah, that's the dome of the rock. Um, and so, you know, that, that rock, right, has been fought over by three faiths for a really long time. And it's still fought over. And it goes back to this right here. Um, I mean, Solomon built the temple on that rock. Well, and I think that preempts a point of like sometimes in the last couple of weeks when we've been in Chronicles, we've been talking about, you know, sort of a refresher course, but really we are receiving brand new information. The other thing I noticed that feels a little bit different than when we were talking about Samuel and Kings is in Kings, it felt like there was like this, I don't know, like anger towards Solomon or something like that, like like a little bit fierceness more towards Solomon. And you, you really don't get that in Chronicles. It's just the facts. And, it, and, it's, and it's, it's almost like a little bit more loving to me um, in the way the Chronicler um, describes Solomon. And not just how he describes Solomon, but how he describes his devotion to building this temple to praise God, to honor God. Um, and, and that may just be my reading of it, but it, it felt softer and very from, from different from Kings when it was just kind of real harsh, if that makes sense. Um, and so really this, the main thing that's happening in this section that we're covering today is this building of the temple. And some people might be like, oh, she's building a building. But, but the way Solomon was coming at it in this like, love for God, love. This is how I'm going to honor Yahweh. I'm going to honor God is building this temple is, is way more um, like empathetic and softer and loving to me in the second book of Chronicles. Does that, did that resonate with you at all? Or does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, it would make sense, right? This is later in the tradition and they're rewriting it or retelling it in a way and kind of like with David, right? Dr. Tony talked about how they brushed over some of the harder parts of David's story and gave us the highlights. Now yeah. maybe here they're trying to have a better shine on Solomon, right? Who was not without problems. We talked about those before, sure. um, but here, I mean, Solomon's a freaking Superman. He builds yeah. everything. And this is in Kings too, right? Like every Solomon did everything. Solomon didn't build this stuff, right? Solomon had people build this stuff. Um, but it says here, he made this, he made that, he made that. Yeah, exactly. It's But it seems like this emphasis is maybe a little bit more on God's goodness in the way that it said in the, this is just my interpretation. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. No. Um, but yeah, he is a superhero, no doubt. But it's like, comes from a place of God's goodness. I hear that more when in my, and just in my reading of it. And then you helped me because I I said it was in a different chapter, but it's actually in six. Like there's this actual prayer to God um, that Solomon gives. And, you know, that's much like his father, um, David. I mean, David did that a lot too. Um, But of, of what this temple building means so so where are we 6 um 41 is that right um, no, now, six. yeah like 6 14 14 oh, okay um and the lord and said the lord god of israel there's no god like thee in heaven or on earth keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to thy servant who walked before thee with all their heart 
So again, like that's what I'm talking about, like the softness and the goodness like that feel, I feel that there. And then he keeps, um, he keeps, he keeps bringing up, pray for my dad, pray for my dad who's in heaven, who did all this work. Um, and, and, and he keeps giving goodness to David too, which I think is, um, interesting as well. And he does it again in 41, I think. Um, and at the very end of that, he says, remember thy steadfast love for David, thy service servant. That's actually 42. Um, so I don't know. It's just, again, has that sort of nature like his dad did of praising God and the goodness. And I didn't feel that as much in Kings. So that was just sort of that. I mean, I think that's a highlight here, right? Like David had these plans. David did. David kind of built a lot of this from scratch, like the structure and the system. Solomon Mm -hmm. is the one that he built the thing. There's the thing you can look at. Um, But he is just taking his place in line, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and so he's looking back and you think about this with elected officials or with rectors of congregations or with anyone who is next in line of succession of people. Right. You could look at something and say, oh, this was done when Alan was rector. Well, this was started back when Frank was rector. Right. right? And right. I'm just the guy that hasn't yet messed it up. Right. And, and so <laughs> and so I see some of that here. Solomon. Right. Is linking the work that's happening now to David and the work that David started. Think about Paul. I was reading first Corinthians. I think it was first Corinthians the other day. And um that's where Paul says, you know, some of you worship to or say I belong to Apollos. Some of you say I belong to Paul. Like, knock that out. I water, you know, Apollos plant or Paul watered, Apollos planted. God gave the growth, right? Like even Paul in the New Testament talks about this succession of everyone taking their place, everyone doing their part. That, you know, things fall down. Like if Solomon tried to say, oh, this is me, 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 me. Um Number one, he would lose kind of the the Davidic, you know, imprimatur, the stamp that he's the next in line of this. But I think it's a good thing for all of us who are either leading congregations or in congregations. Like the parishioners of, you know, your church or my church, they're the parishioners now. They're building and shaping something for the parishioners 50 years from now just like we're the inheritors of the parishioners from 50 years ago. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I, I think that again, we always can find things in the Bible that like really relate to who we are. And I think this, this change of monarchy, even though it's in the family can be really related to not just churches, but like anything, you know, like how do we build upon what has already been put there? And that's exactly what Solomon does. Like he just continues to build upon what David had done and how do you and I as rectors of churches, how do the parishioners that are here, how do we do that? Like in any job that we're in, I mean, you know, like honoring yeah. what's happened before and what continues to happen, you know? Yeah. And setting people up, right. Like, you know, I think about my professional career, right? Like I stepped into a role that someone had before me. And so there was a little bit of training, whatever. And then I did my thing to make it the role, you know, 10 years later, whatever it was. And then when I stepped out, someone else came into that. It's not like the company shut down because Alan was no longer there. Right. Like right. The company was different because Alan had been there, hopefully, but we bring people alongside of us. And so everyone, does, whether you're a teacher, right. You're preparing kids for 
you know, next, or, you know, you work in a hospital and you're preparing someone for the next, you know, person who's coming in and for the patient who's going to be discharged or whatever, like we're all a cog in the machine, but not like in some, you know, work, work, work all day long thing. But like none of us exist on an Island. We have to, to figure out our place within the larger system. Well, and that, and like, how do we not do the people thing, which is like, and I'm really, really guilty of this too, of being like jealous of what the people ahead of me did and what the people behind me will do. And like, just being thankful that God gave me the strengths and the gifts of what is in front of me in that moment and that I'm the right person to help lead through that and that the right parishioners are here to help lead through that. Um, as my, I don't think of myself as a really jealous person, but sometimes like those two things do come up and I'm like, man, why didn't I think of that? Or why did some of that been during my tenure, you know, instead of saying like, okay, this is what's here. What can I use my gifts and talents to help with? You know, and yeah. there's no sense of jealousy in this. Now it could be that this is a father son duo, you know, and, um, we, you know, met, not everyone, but a lot of people, you know, really respect their parents and, you know, that whole jealousy thing might not be there. Um, I recognize there's many that don't. Um, and I want to, I don't want to, um, but that could be some of it. I don't know, but I think just and, like the jealousy out and just being where and you how are. many people, you know, you, I can imagine the number of folks who came up to Solomon. I was like, you know, David wouldn't have done it that way. Yeah. Oh, or, for sure. you know, or, you know, your dad would have done this with the temple wall or whatever. You know, like I think. And so there's yeah. part of it's jealousy and part of it's expectation, right? Like either self-imposed or from outside sources, right? So I'm the youngest of three. My two much, much, much older sisters, we all went to the same high school, right? So one sister was really smart. Another sister was a great athlete. And so then along comes Alan, all these other teachers, right? Like, Am I, I felt the pressure. Do I have to be both of these things? Yeah. No, like I'm going to be Alan. I'm going to chart my own path, but you know, situations like that or any time that we're following someone, it may be jealousy or it may just be internal expectations or external expectations. That's not how we used to do it. Mary Balfour, yeah. you know, Nicholas uh-huh. did it this way. And I've also like, this is sort of an interesting, as y'all, as you know, um, my dad is an Episcopal priest, and um, after he was like at another church, and I mean, this was like many years later, but um, one of the parishes he had served, there was an opening for the rector, and they called me, and they're like, "Would you put your name on?" And I was like, "Absolutely not, no way, I cannot." I'm, I mean, I love my dad. I think y'all know, I think he's like one of the greatest people that ever walked the earth, but you're not going to get Polk Van Zandt Jr. You know, like I, 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 I'm my own person. I have my own way. And I just did not think they could ever separate the two of those things. Um, and so I just couldn't, I couldn't even put my name in. I couldn't even think about it um, because I, I, I just felt, felt like I was setting myself up for failure. You know, um, I, I think that, we as humans, that jealousy and that stuff that comes out, you know, like that's the human part of all of that, you know, and I love being able to look to the Bible when we're feeling those things 
and be able to look at an example of like how to move on and just really work on what's in front of us and the gifts God has given us as people to build, make mistakes, whatever that may be. Um, I, I, when I got to resurrection, like they had just gone through this wonderful, wonderful building campaign um, that Nicholas, of course, helped them with. Um, but, you know, they did a lot of that themselves. And um, so that wasn't my focus. You know, my focus was something else, you know, and moving in a different direction. And is it more pastoral? Is it more preaching? Whatever it is, you know, I'm grateful for what was done before me. I'm grateful for this beautiful temple that was built, just like the temple that was built in Second Chronicles, um, that is a place to worship and love and care. Um, but it's different now. It's a different type of leadership. It's a different, you know, and it's, one's not better than the other either. They're just different, right? And I'm sure you have that same thing at St. Martin's. You know, one's yeah, absolutely. It's just different. And that's why, right, <clears throat> there's discernment around these things. And, you know, you think about rector searches, there's a whole bunch of discernment. There's usually interim periods because you got to make sure you're not calling the next Nicholas, right? right? You're calling the next rector of this congregation and our needs may be different. We built the thing. Now we need something different, whatever that may look like. And here's the other thing, like spoiler alert, Solomon was the richest, wisest person who ever lived. He built this grand thing, whatever. By the time, you know, Jesus comes around, that whole thing gets destroyed. Right. Right. And so even this thing that Solomon built, even all, right? Like, it lasts not forever. too long later, it doesn't last <laughs> forever, right? It gets rebuilt and it gets maybe rebuilt differently. But, but all these great things that we think are the highlights of whatever, right? You know, a thousand years from now, you know, yeah. maybe it doesn't matter as much as we sometimes think it does. Exactly. It feels really great in the moment, but like, when we're up in heaven and we're looking down, we're going to be like, oh, my God, why did I stress out over that? Why did I worry about that? You know, like when we're at the feet of Jesus, we're not going to be worried one bit about any of this. So, but like I said, I, I really, I really do feel grateful to be able to go to scripture um, when I'm having my own emotions and my own feelings about things and being able to see um, how other people that were great leaders um, in God's kingdom handled those things. So I think that's something really good that we get from that. And then we move in next week, we move on into all this division of the kingdoms. And um, my buddy, the Reverend James Franklin is going to join us. And that's going to be a lot of fun. And then we're done with Chronicles and we can get into some new stuff. Right. Some yeah. things we haven't heard before. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So any parting words about today? No, I think it's a good reminder that I think that last bit, right? Um, the things we're building now seem really important. And yeah, we're taking our next place, whatever. But like we, we got to keep a bigger perspective around this. Nothing we do right now is live or die for the most part. And so um, that's a good reminder for me right now is that Sometimes I feel like I'm the only person that can do things or like I'll, whatever, right? A, that's not true. B, I'll kill myself if I keep thinking that, right? I'll work myself to death. Yes. And like, to all of this stuff is, right? You know, if Solomon, the richest, wisest person ever, couldn't build something that lasted forever, what hope do I have? 
I know, right? I mean, and so let's just remember that we're people, right? Who make mistakes, who do things well, who don't always get it right. There's just got to be a lot of grace, don't you think? Absolutely. And I'll remind you, Alan, if you start taking on too much, and you can remind me too. Because <laughs> that's important. Yesterday was Labor Day, and I was getting some text, and I was like, not going to labor today. I'm going <laughs> to rest. I'm going to go do some, you know, like, and I had to remind myself, you know, like, let's take some time off. Yeah. Right? I, I had to, I was trying to send a friend something that I send every Monday, and I, I go and I was like, I'm going to pull up my laptop, and I don't have my laptop. And number one, like I'm first thinking, what's going on here? I, of course, you know, I'm a geek. And so I have all these things. I could pull up my phone and see that my laptop was at my office because I had left it here Sunday. And so, That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And so like the stuff that I was just going to do just to get it done yesterday, I literally couldn't because my computer was here. And so maybe that was, you know, God's way of reminding me that, you know, I could take a day and not post a sermon on the website. Or whatever. It would be okay. It would be okay. So that's a good reminder to all of y'all too. Take time to rest. Take time for yourself. Take time for prayer. Remember that we love you, but most importantly, God does. 